Hi everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz podcast. We're on episode 60 today. Quick edit, it's episode 61. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Alexa. Candice is off again this week, but Bree is joining me again. Hello. How's it going? It is good. It's starting to get cold here, so I'm like snuggled up in my, nobody can see, but I'm snuggled up in my heated blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Those come in handy this time of year. Yes. <laughs> Before we get started, I do have a little bit of sad news to bring up. So as you all listeners know that we're talking about Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys 70s show now. So this week we're talking about episode three, um, which features the Hardy Boys. The sad news is that actress Kirstie Alley uh, passed away this week on December 5th. If you don't know, she was married to Parker Stevenson, who is the actor of Frank Hardy in this show. Um They were married for what looks like 14 years and they had two kids together, which I read that they were both adopted, but still family unit, you know. Just want to make a quick note that they were divorced in 1997. So it's been a while since they were married, but they did still share two children together. Sharing my condolences to the family and hopefully they have some, find some peace over the holidays, which of course is going to be rough no matter what, but. Very tragic. Yeah. Moving on from the sad news, on to the episode today that we're talking about. Uh, It is episode three of The 70s Show. Uh, The title is The Mystery of Witches Hollow. The description of the episode goes, On a road trip to a retired police captain's country home, the boys and their friends find him missing and themselves plagued with mysteriously threatenings that seem related to an old legend. The release date was February 13th of 1977. Fun fact! This episode is based on the Hardy Boys number 41, The Clue of the Screeching Owl. Some sources online say that this was the only episode in the entire run of the series that was adapted from a book, but that's actually not true. I feel like I'm surprised that it came out in February. I mean... All the episodes so far have been so spooky, like Halloween vibes. I had assumed they came out like September, October, especially because that's usually when shows come out nowadays anyway. Yeah. I'm surprised it came out in February. Unless it's, but by the, like the dates, it's almost like they had a mid-season premiere. Probably, yeah. So, which, like, I feel like lately there's a lot of shows that are doing that across the networks. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> I will do my best to go scene by scene, (laughs) and we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Here, you should be good. One thing that we never talked about, though, that before we start, is the opening credits are, to me, I don't know why they, like, crack me up. And they're the same for each of the three episodes. Like, I like them, and they're cool, but they're also kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. So for anybody that hasn't seen them, it's, like, these weird, it's, like, colors, and each one is a nancy drew or hardy boys book but it's the book picture is like actually the actor or actress that plays them and then it's like in front of that the actress like walks or actor or actress like walks by and like looks around like all mysteriously and it's just it's like the funniest music it's very 70s low production quality and it just i had to note it this time because i was like this is the most the greatest opening sequence <laughs> I wish we had fun opening sequences nowadays. I feel like a lot of them are very, like, boring today. Yeah. And it's almost kind of going with that. It's like they're all going through a labyrinth, 
you know, trying to find their way out. Yes. So there's that's probably why they're kind of like looking everywhere, be like, okay, which way do I have to go now? Oh yeah, because it starts with the with the labyrinth at the top. I forgot about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, no, that makes sense. And it's I guess that the Hardy Boys would be together and Nancy would be on her own, like kind of yeah. going different paths. I yeah. Think. Especially in the show because they're very separate. And I find it kind of interesting too that with the Hardy Boys episodes, the Hardys are mentioned first. And then Pamela Sue Martin as Nancy. And with the Nancy episodes, it's Pamela Sue Martin first and then the Hardy Boys actors. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's a good call. That makes sense, though. That's cool. Yeah. I started capturing every time they talk about hamburgers in the Hardy Boy episodes. And they do it pretty much immediately here. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It came up pretty quick. Yeah. Like second line or something. Yeah. Alrighty. So the episode opens and of course it's like stormy, it's rainy, it's dark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it looks like it's the they're driving in the middle of the woods, the brothers, Callie and some friend, which we don't know his name yet. Um they're going through the woods, going to someone's cabin, which we learn that it's uh Callie's uncle. Uh Captain McGuire. Um, the friend's name is Chet, and the they the brothers keep teasing him because he's hungry. <laughs> yep. And also and, very terrified. <laughs> oh, and like throughout the whole episode, too. Yeah, poor Chet. And I feel like that's such a best thing. Yes. He like very much he looked kind of like funnily liked like Ned. He had the same like face, but acted like this. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that they did a great job casting Chet Morton and writing for him. He's just like his character in the books. It's so awesome. So he's in most of the books and he usually tags along with Frank and Joe on their mysteries. This show even made him look exactly like how I would picture him in the books. And in the books, he loves food, just like in this show. And he's usually the source of comic relief in the books. So yeah, I really, really like how they cast the character in the TV show and how they wrote for him. I think they did a fantastic job with his character. So as they're driving, they see all these hex symbols everywhere and Chet's like wondering why they're all over the place. And then Callie kind of explains to him about like the farms, the farmers put them up on trees and barns to keep the witches and goblins away. Um, And then they finally end up Um, making their way to the cabin and there's so many you know different spooky things going on so they knock on the door and some woman opens it and her name is Mrs. Thompson Uh, she's I guess like the caretaker of the cabin Um, and she explains that the captain isn't home and he hasn't been for a while Um, the group goes inside and they look around and they it, like, they see mail that's been on, like, the counter, I guess, like, over a week. And all of this is happening, someone's watching them from, like, the woods, which is really creepy. Yeah, I feel like every episode so far, there's always been a person lurking in the woods, just watching them. Yeah. Very and, like, and there's different points throughout this episode where they're just, like, someone's just randomly watching the group. Yeah. Which yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> I mean, we figure it out eventually, but yeah, in the even the first two episodes, there's always somebody watching them, which yeah. 
yes a little scary especially in the dark in the middle of the woods at when it's like stormy yeah um mrs thompson uh sharing with the group the story of which is hollow um whenever there's whenever from what she said animals go to the air like they never come back and there's always like screams let's assume we don't know why there's a scream all of a sudden we'll learn that later yeah. um i was confused was which is which halls is the forest right I'm assuming it is, yeah. yeah. I was. It took me a while to figure that out. I was like, "What?" Like I thought that was just the name of the town. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think it makes sense that it's the forest. At first, I thought it was some kind of like cave or something. Oh yeah, like it was weird. Like it, I never fully understood what it was. Like I'm just assuming it's the forest. But all I know is yeah. Mrs. Thompson, who is terrifying looking, by the way. Like when she opens the door, I'm scared of her. She just said there's forces of evil, and I was like, I would not want to be there. I would go home. Yeah. I would, like, we're kind of, like, with Chet with this, like, let's get out of here. (laughs) I'm I'm with Chet. Me and Chet going in the van. (laughs) Back outside, the person is still, like, watching the cabin, and they're slowly making their way closer. Um, It keeps flipping back and forth between inside the cabin and outside. Um, Now... Back inside, Chet is, like, you feel like he's getting more scared out of all these things that Mrs. Thompson is telling them. And Mrs. Thompson, in my, in my notes, I put that she almost reminds me of Mrs. Drake from Blackmore Manor. Yes. She even has the same, like, gaunt, like, scary-ish face. Yeah. So then this is the time when Joe checks the mail and it's over a week old and they're like, what's going on? Um, and then Callie noticed that Uncle Max's engraved weapon is missing, and some of the, sh- the shells are gone as well. And it looks like Uncle Mac left in a hurry. And we're like, what's going on? Um, then it shows that the brothers and are talking to Fenton on the phone and kind of like sharing what's been going on. And it shows that Fenton is playing with someone's dog, which we learn is Chet's dog. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that scene. It was so unnecessary, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Fenton shares that he's going to, he has like obviously some cases that he's working on and he'll be up at the cabin in a few days to, you know, see how's it going, that kind of thing. Back outside, the mystery person is back at the cabin and there's almost looks like a large black cat is following him. Yeah. <laughs> And then it kind of goes on to say, show that everyone in the cabin is asleep. The mystery man gets inside, picks up a knife, goes to the fridge like he's going to get something to eat. Then the cat makes noise and then there's a scream. That wakes up Joe and Frank. Then the figure escapes out the front door. Joe goes after him into the woods and the dark and the rain. <laughs> And this almost reminds me of the first episode where it was Frank going after Sonny and now it's Joe's turn. Yep. (laughs) And it's after Joe takes off running, Frank is like, Frank goes after them. So it's like pretty much reversed from last time. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote in my notes, these boys really love to run first and then think second. (laughs) (laughs) They just run. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> no thought of consequences. Like they found a knife and they're just like, I'm just going to run after this person that was holding a knife. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. We don't know this person. Like we don't know if they're a good guy, bad guy, whatever it is. <laughs> yep. Just going to run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, run first, ask questions later, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> then we're out in the woods. Joe's following the mystery man. And then we see Frank trying to find Joe. Frank finally finds Joe, and Joe is pretty much hanging on for dear life on the edge of a cliff. And it almost looks like he's holding like some kind of tree branch or something. Frank saves Joe with by using the belt from his pants. <laughs> And it takes them a while to both get to safety. Yeah, it was pretty touching. Like, they actually seemed very concerned. Like, peaks to Joe's acting because he was really scared. You could kind of tell. Yeah. And it's like, even Joe made the comment, too, because Joe kept telling Frank to, like, hurry up and help get onto the top of the mountain. And and Frank is like, hold on, hold on. And then, like, Joe's like, you wouldn't be acting so calmly if you were in my position. Like, you're about to fall off of a cliff, my friend. Please help me. Yeah. And I guess, like, if, obviously this doesn't happen, but if Joe were to fall off down the cliff, Frank would probably never forgive himself. And he would probably have nightmares for, like, the, the, till, for the rest of time. Yes. All because he couldn't get his belt off fast enough. Yeah. Um, he saves him. Yeah. <laughs> um, then finally, both the brothers are safe. Um, and then I even wrote in my notes, too, that I wrote it funny that Frank didn't want Joe running off in the woods alone when Frank did the exact same thing in episode one. Yep. <laughs> I did uh, like their little line where he was saying like oh what who were you ta- like did you see who it was or what it was and he and joe was like i don't know if it was a boy i don't know if it was a girl i don't know if it was like an animal i have no idea and frank says it couldn't have been a girl you wouldn't mind so much falling for a girl i thought that was very funny and it like they seemed tense until that line and i was like okay tension diffused we are safe yeah. <laughs> then the brothers are on their way back to the cabin, and Joe ends up finding a 12-gauge shell casing and a patch, almost like a pocket from the, like, a hunting coat, um, and assuming that it's uh, Captain McGuire's, and they decided not to tell Callie anything because, obviously, they didn't want her to get scared, and they were going to show the sheriff first, and kind of share their thoughts um when they got to Forestburg to me the next thing like when the brothers are with the sheriff it almost looks like the next day but I guess like during this whole scene the sheriff was talking about it's the middle of the night yeah I think they just went straight to the sheriff because then later on Chet says something about how they left too in the middle of the night and didn't come back for a while so, yeah, I'm assuming they just went... I don't know why they wouldn't just wait until the morning at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, like, at first I thought it was the next day, but obviously it wasn't. And yeah. here we go again with the lighting. It, like, the lighting does not help. <laughs> no, the lighting in this episode was not great. Like, sometimes... I didn't know what time of day it was at any point in time. Because it was light, then it was dark. 
And then at some points I couldn't see anything going on. Like there's a whole stretch of notes that we'll talk about later that I'm like, I couldn't actually tell you what happened because it was so dark. Yeah. But I think I figured it out. <laughs> and then obviously like the brothers are worried because they don't know if Captain McGuire is, you know, hurt, he's killed. They don't obviously know what's going on. Um, but the sheriff is like, I will become worried when your father is worried. Like, who doesn't know Fenton Hardy? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, seriously. And but that's another th- part thing I noticed in every episode of the show. There's always some sort of like law enforcement or older person that's like, "No, you guys are dumb." Yeah. Like, if you know Fenton, then you should know his boys are pretty smart. I mean, sometimes they're dumb too, but usually they're right when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. So we finally make it to the next day and it looks like there's another cap, like another uh, cabin in the middle of the woods. And there we found, see that Captain McGuire is captured and there's a black forest cat, like acting as a bodyguard. And her name is Tabitha. Love it. Love that name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Another mystery man comes in who we don't know yet. And he calls McGuire Flatfoot. And apparently McGuire busted his operation, which we do not know yet. So the next scene, Frank and Joe are at the local gas station. Frank is talking to Mr. Hudson, who is filling up their van with gas. And Frank is asking him information about Witch's Hollow and the legend and all that stuff. And Captain McGuire... Um, there's lots of city people apparently in the town and construction workers trying to build some kind of, is it like an a, apartment building or something? I wasn't totally clear on that. I wasn't either. They kept saying the Parkway Project, so I was assuming it was going to be like some sort of like downtown area with probably apartments and shops. Like it just sounded like they were gentrifying in a way this small town that is not used to having like big businesses or like outside city people. Like you could definitely tell it from the way he talked and the way the sheriff talked, there's like a lot of tension between the town and this, whatever this parkway project is. But yeah, I think it's some sort of like shopping and living city center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, then uh Joe is on the phone in the phone booth talking to Fenton, catching him up on everything that's been going on. Then he calls Frank over. Then the three of them talk. Um, Fenton will be at the cabin the next day and he will try to find out as much information as possible about the cases that McGuire worked and he'll let Callie know. Um, And that's a lot of information that Frank goes on to say, but then Fenton's like, computers. I wrote that, I was like, wait, I know this is going to sound probably dumb on my part, but I didn't realize they had, like, computers like that back then. I still thought that they had typewriters. Yeah, like, I mean, I know they have, like, word processors and, like, probably things that connect in some sort of way, but there's no internet, so I'm like, how are you going to look these, I was so confused, I still don't understand. Yeah. (laughs) I have to research this later, because I I literally wrote it down, I was like, computer question mark, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> so the next scene, the brothers went to Donner's place to talk about McGuire. Um, and Donner ends up showing the brothers pictures of the project that's going to be, you know, in the works. 
And apparently there's a lot of problems and things going on, money troubles and lots of resistance, which makes sense if the residents of the town, you know, don't want all these new changes happening. Um, Donner goes on to say, talk about more of the the legend with Witch's Hollow and like whoever hears the scream are the next ones to essentially die, which is creepy. Yeah, it's like a weird legend. And it it's weird because it's in Massachusetts. Like they said that they're not far from Salem. So I think they were trying to like make like a Salem witch connection, but I felt like that was kind of lacking. And I was so confused about the fact that this was a big black cat because even in the legend it says that the witch like adopted a cat that ended up being I don't even know what kind of cat that was I wrote down Black Panther I don't know (laughs) I don't know what it was but I was like how do you find I'm from Massachusetts I live in Massachusetts we don't have black cats like that yeah I was very confused but yeah this witch finds a black cat and there's a scream and if you hear the scream you're gonna die (laughs) pretty much Oh, man, that's that's just creepy and weird. <laughs> it was very weird, yeah. Like I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm super surprised this was in October because it was very witchy and spooky. And, I mean, they mentioned Salem, so. Yeah. Um, so the brothers end up leaving Donner's place and Frank decides he wants to spend the night at Witch's Hollow and see kind of like what's going to happen. Which I'm like, really? You want to go camping in the middle of the woods in a place you don't know? Are you surprised by that, though, with these two? No. Not at all. Nope. So I guess that night, Frank, Joe, and Chet are in the middle of the woods. Chet is obviously scared about camping. And the brothers are like, you could have just stayed at the cabin with Callie. You know, like, that wouldn't have been a big issue with us. Poor Chet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then the three of them are talking about all the strange things that have been happening since they got there. Um, then at back at the cabin, we see Callie's on the phone talking to Fenton and he found out all this information about her uncle and he's telling her what he found out about the cases. And one person in particular stood out and wasn't it Fenton said that he seemed unhinged? Um, An unstable former prisoner because the uncle used to work for I think the NYPD yeah New York City detectives yeah I I said unstable so I'm assuming it's somebody he like prosecuted not prosecuted but like arrested or found guilty of a crime and was crazy (laughs) (laughs) probably yeah so that's suspect number one which he found out on the computer apparently (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, Callie gets all the information from Fenton and she has to figure out how to share that with the brothers and Chet because she's not expecting them back until the following morning. So then someone is watching the brothers from the woods, which is creepy. Yep. As ever. (laughs) And then we see Callie out in the woods looking for the brothers the mountain lion is walking around near, I don't know if it's near the brothers or Callie. I think it's near Callie. I'm assuming. I think near Cal- this scene was very confused. It was a lot of like switched pictures from like Callie to the mountain lion to the boys to that person. 
And I didn't know yeah. who was, but I'm assuming the mountain lion was near her. I still don't fully know what spooked her, but it was also, this is the beginning of like it being super dark and almost impossible to see. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it was near her. I'm not sure right now. And then the mystery man ended up going to the camp and then he got caught by the brothers Chet is obviously kind of like, what's going on? And he ends up picking up a stick <laughs> through all that commotion. And we, and it ends up being, it's just a kid that was near the, the three friends, which is like, okay, like how old is this kid? <laughs> I couldn't tell. I still don't really know. Cause he didn't look like super young, probably like teen, but he seemed like the boy's age, to be honest. Yeah. Um, we find out that he's not able to speak, but he's able to hear what everyone is saying. And he tries to show everyone kind of like what he's trying to talk, like try, what he's trying to say through actions, which still is kind of, you know, confusing for the brothers to figure out. Um, then they make it back to the, the cabin um and we're obviously still trying to figure out what's going on um the brothers end up going out to get all of their camping gear um they make it back simon and chet are asleep oh yeah we find out the the boy's name is simon he's drawing 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 a whole bunch of pictures with like different clues um and then Frank ends up offering to stay up and looking at all the different notes and things that Fenton shared to see if he can figure out kind of like kind of like make sense of everything. Yeah. Um, outside, there's the second mystery man walking up to the cabin, and he ended up placing like a small wedge of wood under the door handle outside to prevent anyone from getting out. Which is like, okay, why would you do that in the first place? Is my question. Yep. <laughs> we'll see in a second. <laughs> and then we see that there's like, obviously there's the fire going in the fireplace. And, you know, like there's lots of smoke coming in and everything. And then that kind of leads me to think there must be something on the top of the chimney. Like where the smoke is supposed to come out from. That must be, like, covered. That's why all the smoke is coming inside the cabin. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't, like... Because they specifically show them putting the wood in the door to stop them from getting out. I'm surprised they didn't show, like, them covering the chimney. Because I do think that... I mean, we figure out that is what happens. But... Yeah. Yeah, that was confusing. I didn't know what... I, I thought there was a fire. And I think the boys thought it was a fire, too. And it goes back to, actually, the legend. Because they talk about how they, like locked the witch away the witch in qu- quotations because I, d- I doubt she was a witch <laughs> yeah and they tried to like burn her house so I think they the person who did this was trying to make it seem like they were starting a fire but really they were just filling the house with smoke which is also super dangerous yeah um so then Joe ends up like waking up and finding it hard to breathe from all that smoke Then he's, you know, slowly getting Frank awake, and then they make sure everyone gets out okay. Joe broke a window, opened the front door, everyone's fine. Um, 
the brothers sent ended up, ended up sending Chet up to the roof or like Poor the chimney. <laughs> Poor man, he's scared out of his mind. He's climbing houses. He does not want to be up there. Yep. And all I, my next thing is all puns intended. Chet is a scaredy cat. <laughs> he is, yes. No, he definitely is. I wrote down he's a big baby, but I like he's a scaredy cat. <laughs> um, and the reason why they sent Chet away is because they wanted to talk to Simon to see if they can, you know, figure out some of what he was trying to tell them earlier. Um, and then Joe figures out, oh, maybe Simon wants us to ask him, like, the big question about someone taking the captain away. And Simon's like, yep, that's like the biggest thing pretty much what happened and that's why there were so many provisions in the fridge because chet 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 obviously loves food yes (laughs) um but simon obviously goes to the cabin with um mcguire you know just so that they can have a meal together um and then um (laughs) the boy the brothers and simon ended up go take off trying to figure out you know where to go next and of course they tell Callie if Chet falls off the roof just give him a sandwich he'll be fine yep <laughs> they just leave him up there and when he realizes they're leaving he's like wait where are they going <laughs> <laughs> this boy, yeah. he should not he should learn if he knows them well enough and I feel like he's their friend don't go on vacation with these brothers <laughs> like this is not meant for you yeah um then we see the brothers and simon driving in the van to look for more clues near witch's hollow and you know they're kind of putting the pieces together but every time they think that they're getting somewhere they're hitting dead ends which is a bummer yep (laughs) um simon shows which like where in the woods for frank to turn um the then the they get out of the van they go to almost like I don't know if this is the same that Joe got trapped on or what, but they're at the another edge of a cliff, it looks like. And they see like this truck convoy with speakers on top with screams coming out, like probably to scare people away from learning what their true intentions are. Yeah. And it and it goes back to the legend of if you hear the screams. You're the next victim, so it's supposed to scare people. But I felt like, and I we probably heard some screams throughout the episode, but I never really thought they were, I never really heard them, like, a lot, I guess. So I was, yeah. like, when do we, when are these trucks going around putting this screaming voice? Because I haven't heard it. I mean, we were only there for, what, one night? But I was, I wish that they had kind of, showed the screams or made them more clear before we saw the trucks with them because I didn't fully get it until they explained it and I wish I had gotten it beforehand because I like to solve to figure it out myself but yeah that was I think that's why they were screaming (laughs) or had the screams coming out anyway probably um then the brothers decided to get onto one of the trucks to you know check out what is actually going on while Simon goes back to the cabin. Um, when their brothers are in the truck, they find cement. It looks like cement blocks or something from Wallace and Mathers. And, you know, 
everything could potentially go bankrupt from all this stuff going on with all these bad things, essentially. Um, then the brothers decide, okay, like, we found out this information. Let's get back to the cabin. Frank says, just jump and roll when you get off of the truck. <laughs> Frank is fine, maybe a bit dusty. Joe jumps out. And it almost looks like he jumped into, like, some kind of mud puddle or something. I was like, was that, like, a bog or mud or what? Like, I don't know what that was. But, yeah, it was not a good situation for him. But he was not happy about it. (laughs) (laughs) And even Joe was, like, told Frank, he's like, you told me to jump and roll. (laughs) Yeah, I rolled in the mud. Thanks. (laughs) Then, obviously, it's going to take them a while to get back to the cabin. So the next morning, Simon ended up drawing more pictures and he and then Fenton is there through all of this. And Fenton's like, okay, so the boys are on the way to Witch's Hollow with these trucks. And obviously he's, you know, a little worried about them, which is understandable. Um, then the brothers came in and they're starting to share with Fenton everything what's you know going on with the construction stuff and everything that's happened since they last talked to him yeah i gotta give fenton credit for understanding how fast what simon was saying yeah i mean simon's a very fast drawer i will say i mentioned that i like wrote that note earlier i was like wow he can draw really fast Yeah. but he picked up on everything he was saying in those drawings like super fast i think it would have taken me a little bit yeah um and then um joe is obviously bummed that fenton is kind of like bursting their bubbles all the time but you know obviously there's not much obviously the don't get me wrong the boys have information but it's not like enough like substantial evidence for whatever they're getting at and fenton is just kind of trying to explain that i guess to them yeah, well, they have a they have like the right idea because they said, you know, we think somebody's trying, somebody's clearly trying to stop stop this Parkway project by bankrupting this company, and they're using the legend as like a way to get the Parkway project to stop too, and which is why they're using like the screaming, but they're like who it could be. It kind of was not great. Like they thought it was just. Oh, it's probably all the angry townspeople that don't want this parkway project to go and don't want the city folk to move in. Yeah, and their dad definitely bursts their bubble and is like, that's, have you ever really heard of somebody that angry just like absolutely bankrupting a company and like possibly hurting and kidnapping people over like a mall, basically? I've never heard of that extreme. Yeah, like, people do some crazy things, but probably not that crazy just because there's a mall coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, then Fenton decides that him and Callie are going to go to see the sheriff and see if they could use some persuasion. <laughs> um, and then, like, during all this, Simon is still drawing pictures, um, and he ended up drawing a picture of a foot, Specifically, a flat foot, which is the same name that Donner called McGuire earlier. And so then the brothers ended up figuring out on the night of the storm, there was a mountain lion and Donner captured McGuire. 
And so then Simon, the brothers, they end up leaving to go to Donner's place and they ask Chet to call Fenton or let Fenton know what is going on if Fenton calls. And Chet is like, really? Again? They just keep leaving this poor, poor guy. Again, he has to learn, do not go anywhere with these boys. Like, Next time they ask you to hang out, just go to dinner. Don't don't go to, on vacation with them. Yeah. Um, then the next scene, they're at Donner's place. Donner and McGuire are talking about all the construction and, like, the bill and everything. Um, Donner explains his plans for the future and but the shutdown of the construction sites. Um, then outside, Frank, Joe, and Simon, well, before that, Donner goes outside and talks to someone in a pickup truck about different things, I guess, going on. Or yeah, I don't really know who. I think that was just there to get him out of the house. But yeah, that whole scene where he was describing basically the like, that's like the law and order scene, right? Where the criminal explains what they're doing and why. I was like, what? This doesn't seem like a great plan. Like you're trying to shut down this construction project. In the hopes that I was it because he thought he would get the project if it restarted again? Maybe that's what I think. And he was like, Oh, yeah, we're gonna get the project shut down temporarily. And McGuire brings up a really good point that's like, Okay, you're gonna get it shut down through this bill, everybody's gonna shut it down because there's gonna be an he's planning on having an accident right to basically kill mcguire at the site and blame it on an accident and get the site temporarily shut down but mcguire has a really good point if they shut down this project temporarily who's to say it's going to be temporary they're probably just going to restart they're not they're probably not going to restart it ever again or at least not for a very long time so he's hedging his bets on a kind of crazy plan and planning on murdering somebody for like a couple, I mean, I don't know how much money he'd end up making from it, but I don't know. It seems like a crazy plan. And then to have like a mountain lion or a black panther or whatever trained for, I don't know. It seems a lot. It seems like a lot. Yeah. Um. So while McGuire, McGuire, Donner is talking to the guy at the truck, uh, Frank, Joe, and Simon end up going down, I guess, into the cellar. And um, t- to obviously get McGuire out, like the the mountain lion is obviously making lots of noises and stuff, and almost looked like Joe got like a broomstick or something, <laughs> like trying to push him back away from the door. I don't know what you were doing there. He just had this big stick, and I was like, I don't think this is gonna work. I'm trying to picture me like with my little cats getting them to go in a specific place with just a stick and that would not work. And this is much bigger than my cats. Yeah. So then finally they end up getting the cat kind of like backed away with some food to be able to get McGuire out of the cell. Um, Everyone gets out of the house. They call after Donner, him and the pickup truck guy try to make a run for it. Frank jumps on the back and he has like some kind of, sheet or something to cover up the windshield and they he throws that on jumps off the truck and then the sheriff shows up with Callie and Fenton and they arrest Donner um timing 
Like, nice way to show up when all the excitement is over. I know. And I wrote down, I'm like, did, like, if they had just not gone to the house and, like, I get that they saved McGuire in the end, but if they didn't put themselves in jeopardy, wouldn't he still have been saved regardless? You would like, think, I don't so. think Yeah, this is, again, them just running and not thinking. They just were like, we're just going to go and save this man, even though the sheriff could have done it legitimately two seconds later. Yeah. But, you know, they they are the Hardy Boys. They do have to save the day. Yeah. Uh, so then we make it back to the cabin with Simon, uh, McGuire, the Hardys, and Callie and Chet. They're all kind of talking about kind of everything that happened. Um, then it, Simon, I guess, is going to go to art school because that's what he's wanted to do it, do for a while. Um, Frank is joking with Joe about bringing Tabitha home as a house pet, <laughs> but the zoo is probably a better idea. Yes. <laughs> um, then the brothers promise to take Chet on a proper camping trip, but not in Witch's Hollow. Um, what is, was the other place? Something with devil something Devil's or other? something, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, that sounds and- worse. Yeah. And Chet's like, no, 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 like, you know, <laughs> that's I'm it. Never doing this again. <laughs> and that kind of pretty much is the end of the episode. What are your overall thoughts of the episode? I think it was definitely better than their first episode. It made a lot more sense. Like it was easier to follow. It was kind of like one story. There was a little bit of back and forth, but it wasn't crazy back and forth like episode one. So it was easier to follow outside of how dark any of the scenes in Witch's Hollow were. Like, it was so dark, I did not know what was happening. I didn't even realize until you said it that they got out of the house because Frank, like, broke the glass. I thought that somebody had removed the wood, and I was like, who did that? Who was that? And then I was like, oh, that makes more sense. Because it was just so dark. (laughs) I couldn't see anything. And I thought the Tabitha's... Tabitha's scenes her growling was like the cheesiest thing ever because it was just the same footage of a mountain lion just going rawr (laughs) 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 you just used the same one like 20 times in the episode and it it was pretty funny um I didn't fully I understood it in the end I think it was again easier to understand than episode one I didn't fully buy it though it was like a little too out there, like I was kind of saying earlier. Um, but I feel like that's also part of the charm of, like, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Like, it is always a little bit more out there. And especially in the 70s, it's more, like, campy, cheesy. So it makes sense. But I still didn't fully believe it. <laughs> it was a little apprehensive. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely better than the first episode. So I'd probably say, like, six to six and a half out of ten versus like first episode was like a five out of ten yeah what about you um kind of like the same um something that i found interesting was that almost everyone else was wearing kind of like plaid out like jackets and everything and like but then frank and joe looked like they were wearing such nice clothes i'm like if you're going to like a cabin and like small town you would think you would try to like fit in more with your clothes rather than stand out yeah no those boys do not fit in no (laughs) with their flippy hair and their bell-bottom pants yeah 
Um, it did seem a bit better than the first episode, but it's still like some of the scenes were like quite dark and kind of like, what is going on? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And I feel like, again, they didn't, they did a little bit more detective work this time around. Like Joe noticed the mail was post marks like from a week ago. So clearly McGuire hadn't been there for a while. They found the shotgun shells. They found like the hunting jacket pocket with the blood in the woods but I still feel like they kind of just stumbled upon the answer in the end yeah. similar to what it was in episode one so yeah it's yeah. kind of still like it's a little disappointing because you can't put two and two together um and we kind of knew who the bad guy was pretty early on because they showed him pretty yeah. early on and so I don't sometimes that works but I feel like here I wish I hadn't known because I could have I would have wanted to have figured it out myself. Yeah. No. And it's like, I find that Nancy in the Nancy, at least episode that we watched with Nancy, she did more detective work, I find, than yeah. the Hardy boys did. And yeah, like you were saying that the brothers are just kind of stumbling upon the clues while Nancy is actually going out, actually searching for the information. She doesn't just come across it. Yeah. And like she puts it like she expresses her inferences whereas they don't always explain like what this means like okay we found the shotgun shells what does this actually mean where she would explain it so I wonder if they had like different sets of writers working on either of the two episodes because like they're totally the same but there's definitely a lot more of a focus on the mystery solving on the Nancy, I mean, of the one we've seen on the Nancy episodes than we've seen with the Hardy Boys ones. Yeah. And I still need to figure out what he meant by computer because I need to know what kind of computing power they had back then because it really bothered me. I want to search that up now. (laughs) Like, what were computer? Like, what was it, 1973, you said? 77. Hmm. So, a little later. The so I'm I found is the Ken Back Dash One, released in early 1971, is considered by the Computer History Museum to be the wor- world's first personal computer. It was designed and invented by John Blankenbaker of Kenback Corporation in 1970, and was first sold in early 1971. So like, what could it do though? <laughs> I have no idea. That's why I'm confused. What did computers do in the 70s? No idea. The computers in the 70s were used for all sorts of purposes. Workplace, science, math, research, data storage, communication, and even extremely basic forms of shopping like buying a plane ticket. This is just from Wikipedia. No, sorry. History-computer.com. I did not realize that. I always assumed computers didn't really... I mean, like, I knew they existed, but I really thought they were just word processors and calculators. Until, yeah. like, the 90s. So the yeah. more you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I also love the hamburger mention at the beginning of the episode. I want to know, and I tried to look this up, but I couldn't find an answer, if they say hamburger in every Hardy Boy episode. Because so far we're two for two. And I feel like every time the Hardy Boys come up in the games, there's mention of a hamburger as well. Yeah. So I, I think it's a theme, but I'm not, I couldn't find an answer. Nobody, nobody has researched this yet. So that is something I think we need to do. Yeah. 
That would be interesting to find out. Yep. <laughs> All right. I don't think I have any other really notes on the episode or thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was okay. Um it was definitely a hardy voice episode. I think I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I will say that because I've I've already watched episode four. And I definitely like the Nancy episodes more than the Hardy episodes. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I feel like I was talking to my partner and he said that he read the Hardy Boys growing up. And yeah, they don't. He said even in the books, they just sort of stumble across some things. And I'm not used to that. I like the mystery solving of it all. So it's a little different. The Hardy Boys do usually solve the mystery like Nancy does. It is a little different in the revised text versions of the original stories, but overall they do solve the mystery. Um, they don't just stumble around really. Maybe sometimes, especially in the revised text versions, but they also typically have more action than Nancy Drew does, so sometimes that might overshadow the mystery solving elements. But they sure are funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Bree, did you want to share your social medias again with everyone listening so they can find you? Uh, yeah, I, I always forget what they are. I don't know why. But my I know my Instagram is the OG B-R-A-G-U-I-A-R, um, the OG Bragyar. And then my TikTok, which is probably where I'm more active, is at Queen Bree, B-R-I-E, 13. Um and lately I just post videos of me talking about things with that weird voice filter. So if you're into that, check that out. Every week it's a new obsession on TikTok for me. One day I will show off my Nancy Drew collection on TikTok, but I need to buy, build a bookshelf first. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need a Nancy Drew bookshelf of sorts at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a huge bag of them and they're still sitting in the bag because there's not and I know I have a lot of duplicates that I need to kind of go through, but I just, I don't know what to do with them all. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Marie, thank you again for joining me this week. It was so much fun chatting with you. Thank you, too. Yeah, this was fun. I really enjoy, even though they're a little cheesy, I do enjoy these shows. They're much different than normal, like, everyday shows of today. So it's it's fun to look back. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, listeners, if you want to follow along with us, you can send us an email at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at riverheightsbuzz. Follow us on Twitter at riverheightsbuzz with just one Z. You can join our Facebook group, the River Heights Buzz Podcast Central Buzz. And next week, we'll be talking about episode four of the 70s show it's a nancy episode candace will not be here next week again but hopefully for the sea of darkness episode coming out at the end of the month so i'll try to work over those details but we'll see how it goes <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time everyone bye